It was a locker room of heavy hearts after the Bearcats lost to Central Florida. So what is the current state of the team heading into the final month of the regular season? Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. We're free and available everywhere that you get your podcast and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel and follow us too to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. Today's episode, as you see on your screen, is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My name is Alex Frank. Your host each and every day here on the Lockdown Bearcats podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today, it is Thursday, so that means we are joined, excuse me, by my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illust, Heltman. Russ is on the scene, boots on the ground in Cincinnati. And Russ, I'm going to ask you, because I, you know, heard Luke Fickle say it on Tuesday at his press conference in his weekly radio show that, you know... Um, this loss cannot be compounded. They can't let this loss compound things. But what is the current state of the team right now after a tough conference loss their first in three years? Um, reeling. This team is reeling. You and I talked about all of the factors that were running against the Bearcats last week. We talked about ad nauseum, the issues they've had dealing with running quarterbacks throughout the season. And then... They went and allowed John Rice Plumley to really run all over him until he got hurt in the first half. Mikey Keene didn't run the ball really at all, but they still had that in the back of their minds as a defense. And to me, that's the biggest reason why they gave up two just completely uncharacteristic 75 and 76-yard touchdown drives on back-to-back outings for the UCF Golden Knights to close that game and essentially ping-pong the lead back to the Golden Knights at triple zero. So they're an inconsistent team right now. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. They are banged up in terms of injuries on both sides of the ball. And Alex, it's kind of fitting that the professional and high-level college football team in Cincinnati are mirroring each other in 2022. Yeah, I mean, it was an unfortunate weekend for both the Bearcats and the Bengals. And the Bearcats, I mean, they're 6-2, and two, and there's still a very, very good chance they can you know, find their way into the American Athletic Conference championship game. There's still a lot of football left to be played, three games of their last four coming at Nippert Stadium, a place where they've won 30 straight. Um, but a team right now that, as you say, is reeling. But I, I'm i watching the game Saturday, and, you know, I, I have conflicting thoughts about Ben Bryan. You know, I think he's done an admirable job this season. I think at times he has shown us growing pains, but it's being reported that the coaching staff isn't considering – making a quarterback change. That's according to Justin Williams of The Athletic. But why aren't they considering a change? And is that the best thing for this team going forward? I honestly don't know why the consideration has not been brought up yet to this point. We are on a month now, a month straight of Ben Bryant having just inconsistent outings for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Like overall, he's been kind of a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. 40 to 60 is where he ranks in most just define quarterback metrics. You look at his outings over the past month, Tulsa, 
166 yards, 55% completion, 178 yards against South Florida, 71% completion, 51% completion against SMU, 55% completion against Central Florida. The question to me is, if you're going to have a quarterback going out there on the season and over the last three weeks or last month going sub-56% completion in three of the four games and being below 63% completion this season, and he gives you zero attributes in terms of running the football and changing the math on that side of the ball, I just, I'm struggling to understand why the move isn't being Evan Prater at this point. I have been steadfast on this show weekly saying that they're not going to make a move. And at times coming to Ben Bryant's defense, especially after that outing against Indiana where he lit it up in the first half. And then that second half has basically been a foreshadowing for what we have seen over the past month after that game. I, I defended him then. I've defended him throughout the season, but I can't defend these performances anymore. 25 of 45, Alex. You cannot miss 20 throws against the arguably best defense, second best defense in the conference and still expect to get the benefit of the doubt, especially when you offer zero addition running the football. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, you know, we over the years have taken everything Luke Fickle has said and have run with it, and there hasn't been a lot of controversy surrounding it, but it's that. It's the curious explanation as to why Corey Kiner didn't play. Just zero explanation. There wasn't any explanation. He said they couldn't run the ball, and then he just like, yeah. We, basically, he just gave a lot of words saying we kind of forgot about him and that he isn't as up to speed in the system, whatever that means, surrounding the most talented running back easily. In your on your roster, what do you? Well, I mean, what do you mean not up to speed? Because right. we're, we're in week. I mean, nine. <laughs> Charles McClellan is not wasn't getting anything going. Ryan Montgomery might have been the toughest player on the field for Cincinnati on Saturday, so you could have given him more carries other than three. Like, what am I missing, Russ? Like, like why is the five one three future backfield of Evan Prater and Corey Kiner just? you know, an afterthought right now. I, I don't know, man. It's just like you and I laid this out at the beginning of the year. And obviously this is all surrounding a team that's six and two. They're three and one in conference. As they said, and as Dylan talked to uh, Neil Meyer yesterday after practice about right guard for the UC Bearcats, all of their, their goals are still in front of them. They can still win the AAC. They can still make their six bowl. They will do all those things if they win each of the, final games of the season here, the final four or five games, five that they're able to make the American Athletic Conference. But just the worst case scenario is playing out. It is playing out in front of our eyes, Alex. Ben Bryant is not good enough to make NFL roster right now. He has an NFL type arm, but it's not consistent in NFL type arm. Maybe it was looking like that in the first month of the year. That's completely off the reservation. Now. There, I don't see there is any, unless he goes and plays like the best quarterback in the conference over the final month of the season, I don't see any scenario where he gets drafted. So where does that leave you? It leaves you with a quarterback in Ben Bryant with one more year of eligibility. Why wouldn't he take advantage of NIL opportunities, come back for another year at a place he's very comfortable with, at a place he knows he can start at, he knows he's already won the job over Evan Prater, and come back and take the reins again? Do Bearcat fans, does this program really want to start the Big 12 tenure with an entrenched Ben Bryant, who you know who is what his ceiling is, who you know what he's going to give you in this conference coming up, you know he's not going to be a top five quarterback in that league. Or would you rather see Evan Prater, a player who we haven't seen really at all in extensive drives? He's had what one drive all this season, 
It's just to me, I get it. And I've been at practices. I've seen it. Evan Prater is not quite as consistent as Ben Bryant, but neither of them are consistent, if that's what that means. And you would rather have the player with the legs against the player who has given you negative 91 yards rushing through eight games this season in Ben Bryant. See, the more I'm thinking about it now, it's like, you know, Ben Bryant is giving me major Hayden Moore vibes. And Hayden Moore was ultimately benched for Desmond Ritter. And then look what that did. It opened up the entire offense in 2018 for the next, you know, four years. So And looking at, and real quick, um, before we move I, off the quarterbacks, let's let's kind of just take stock of the quarterback situation in general going into the Big 12. You have Brady Drogross coming in. He's guaranteed. You've already lost Luther Richardson. He left the program in fall camp. So you don't have a freshman quarterback. Brady, like no one on the roster right now besides Evan Prater is anyone that you want to end up playing. So to me, it just it just made makes all the sense in the world, especially if you drop one of these next couple games and you get eliminated from AAC consensus, that you go and play the younger guy. You see what you have. Not all guys are great in practice. Some guys are bad in practice and play really well in games. You never know what you're going to have until you let the bright lights on and see what he can do out there. And to me, you're starting to get to that point where the worst-case scenario is playing out. You're just barely hanging on to that top end of the ceiling and that top end of quarterback play in terms of what Ben Bryant's capable of. But it's not something that, especially next year, when the expectation, I'm sure from this team, this program is going to be to win an, a, a conference championship in the Big 12. It's just very difficult to do that when you have a guy in Ben Bryant who's missing 10 to 15 to 20 throws last week, 20 incompletions, and giving you negative rushing yards on top of it. Yeah, and watching Ben Bryant, you know, run, like if he is flushed out of the pocket, good night. I mean, he has no mobility, which limits this offense. But that gets that leads me to this. So I said earlier this week, maybe Ben Bryant is not the problem. Maybe it's the offensive line. Because Russ, what was a viewed as a strength, <coughs> excuse me, a strength coming into this season, I don't really view it that like sure Jeremy Cooper's been solid, sure uh, Dylan O'Quinn has been solid. But Russ, like, I look at this offensive line. They can't open up running lanes, you know, they can't hold up lawn and pass protection. And it, quite frankly, it's just been an uneven influx group this season. They just aren't who they were last year when they went to the college football playoff. What are you seeing? I agree with you there. And not the same offensive line. They're not as, I think, communicative, as well put together. The chemistry isn't quite the same. And it's probably predictable when in the final week of preseason, you lose a guy like Jake Renfro, an all AAC player at the center position, a vaunted leader, one of the top leaders on this team. And especially at the center spot, which is the quarterback of the offensive line, you are going to start to feel the effects there. And they really have started to feel them in conference play with these teams that are more familiar with them, more familiar with the Bearcats scheme. They played them before. They played some of these linemen that are coming up and starting now before. They know their tendencies. And it's just it just hasn't been as buttoned up. It has not been as buttoned up. And especially in a year where sacks, as I mentioned, when you do not have the ability to scramble, which is the third most valuable play in football out in the expected point added metrics. It is a scramble. Why? Because it takes a sack, a negative play, 
and turns it into a positive play, most often times happening on third down where you're creating first down. So the fact that they don't have anybody back there, a la Desmond Ritter last season, who can turn some of those pressures into first downs as opposed to turning some of the pressures into sacks like we're seeing more from Ben Bryant this season, it's just going to make your offensive line look even worse. All right, final question about the quarterbacks before we move on, because obviously it's what a lot of people are talking about. I've heard a lot, I've seen a lot of comments. I've heard a lot of people talk about it this week. How is Evan Prater handling this? You know, are there any rumblings that he's unhappy with what's going on? I haven't heard anything about it. I mean, he obviously hasn't like tweeted anything, nothing like that. Seems like he's a great soldier marching on to the beat of the team drum. And Luke Fickle even made a point about that because I think it, I forget who if it was Keith Jenkins or Justin Williams asking him because Ben Bryant has gotten some flack. Just there has been justifiable flack thrown his way. Now I will say there has been some egregious, disgusting, unjustifiable flack thrown his way via social media, via the, the keyboard warriors that can just tweet whatever they want to tweet. They know there's not going to be any repercussions. Just when you see people kind of going after Ben Bryant as opposed to just keeping it on the football field. But that's neither here nor there. I think everybody kind of realizes that. One with a kind of connecting two cents in their brain are able to put that together. But the fact that Luke Fickle, when asked about Ben Bryant and having to talk to him about any of these this criticism, about feeling the heat from the outside, he joked, well, we don't, we don't, I, I haven't heard any heat from the outside. And he said, he acknowledged, though, that even if you are, unless you're living under a rock, if you're Ben Bryant, you're going to hear this stuff or you're going to hear this stuff if you're Evan Prater. And he made a comment and noted how Evan Prater has really just stuck with it, stuck to the program, not made any big, um, any big hullabaloo about not being in there. And he said that they've actually talked to Bryant to Prater more about his situation and keeping him confident as opposed to having to talk to Bryant. So, yeah, it's just it's kind of the lukewarm median situation from this Bearcats quarterback room that I think you and I had a lot of kind of intrigue going into the season. And the intrigue is just kind of 40th, 50th, 60th best quarterback situation in the conference or in the country. And that's a big reason why they are six and two and not eight and zero. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, it, 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 it's so weird to like think about the situation the Bearcats are in because they're six and two. They're still right there for a conference championship. They're right outside the top 25, but yeah, it feels like they're four and four or three and five. Yeah. So and that's the expectation. And it's and it's like, I mean, it goes back to the like like the offensive line. You would have never expected this offensive line to rank tied for 93rd nationally with 2.62 yeah. sacks per game allowed. It's just okay. There's just a lot of different yeah. aspects of this team that are not quite moving living up to the expectation. All right. So we'll get into the running game and uh how the Bearcats can uh get it right heading into the final stretch of the season, plus what it will take to, for this team to win a conference championship if they have to play is very, very likely that it could happen. Plus, Russ Miller spoke on Tuesday, so we'll get Russ's starting five projection of the Bearcats heading into Monday night's season opener on the hardwood. All of that after a word from Simply Safe. I believe that is the right ad for the first live read. Yep, it is Simply Safe. So... If you've thought about securing your home with home security, but have been putting it off, you'll want to listen up. Right now, listeners can locked on Bearcats listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you won't want 
to miss it. I use Simply Safe all the time. Look, my apartment, excuse me, here in Macon, Georgia. I mean, it's an outdoor, it's basically an outdoor apartment, right? So it's outside. I want to make sure it's safe. That's why I use Simply Safe. Um, it was rated the best home security system of two of 2022 by US News and World Report. That's a third year in a row. Um an emerging 24-7 professional monitoring agents use fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. It's whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors. Excuse me, that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. Excuse me. 24-7 professional monitoring service costs less than a dollar a day. Excuse me, less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. With the top-rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere. Arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, or adjust system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Simply Safe. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash um URL today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. And thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast hosted by Peter Peter Bukowski, who covers the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Russ Hellman back with me, and I am. I am reeling right now. If you if you just heard me struggle to get through that live read, holy smokes. Um, Cold anyway, season I, is upon us. It really is. I'm going to have to get the tissues during this next um, – while you're talking about this, I can hear the I get up. So um, the running game on Saturday wasn't very good. It held to 35 rushing yards. UCF's rush defense we knew coming in was very good. But when you don't stop the run and you don't run the football, bad things are prone to happen. Sure enough, that's what happened. Uh, how do you think the running game can get right, Russ? I don't know. It's just you got to hit somebody in the mouth. You got to create more gap pressure. You got to create more diversity in the run scheme. I think maybe some more lateral options. Maybe take a page out of the UCF playbook. Get some guys going on jet sweeps. Maybe activate Trey Tucker a little bit more. Activate Tyler Scott a little bit more. Try to get that up to kind of get that downfield speed working laterally and find some gaps that way to spread out teams. But as of right now, it's just to me. I thought they found a bell cow guy in Charles McClellan. It seemed like that. It seemed like he was going to be that kind of in between the tackles punisher. And then it all, it all just went out the window against UCF. So I think it, it kind of starts with adding some more diversity to these run calls and adding some more diversity to the, to the run game plan in general. Oops. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I think when I was watching the game, I don't know if you noticed this for us, but when I rewatched the game, I counted how many creative play calls Gus Malzahn and UCF had. You want to know the uh, the totals? I'd say, what, 13 or 14 creative plays from Gus Malzahn? It was 18. Ooh, I was close. 18 creative plays out of what? They had the, and, they, and they held the ball a lot. They had like 70 or 80 plays. Yeah, they plays, did. So. They had like 15 more minutes time of possession. Do you know how many creative play calls the Bearcats had? I'm going to go with three. They didn't have any. Oh, okay. There you go. They didn't have any creative play calls. So, again, and I'm not sure what it is. 
if it's that they're starting a quarterback who's limited athletically, which would then even make more sense to start Evan Prater because he can open up your playbook a little bit. Um, but let's go to the defense. Any update on Jabari Taylor? Because they really need him this week to face the uh, Navy midshipmen in their running attack. I th- I think it's 50-50 once again. I could see him being another game-time decision. Obviously, went out there, tried to test it against UCF and just wasn't able to get through. Um, get through things. So I, I don't know. We'll see. Jabari Taylor, I was flashing around from basketball pressers to getting all that stuff posted, all that. I wasn't able to see if he was getting in any major work during practice yesterday. So we'll just have to see on Jabari Taylor, but if they don't have Jabari Taylor, once again, man, it is, it, it is really starting to show along those edges, the loss of Taylor and Malik Van. Those were supposed to be two of the three pillars along the interior of that defensive line. That front seven was supposed to be the strength of this entire team. And just like the Bengals, just like a lot of teams in football across all different levels, injuries are really depleting that plan. All right. Um, What's it going to take for this team to get to and win a conference championship? Because it can still happen. Specifically, if they have to play Central Florida again, which I think is going to, I think that's what's going to happen. You know, how do they and what is it going to take for them to beat UCF in a potential rematch? Dial them up. Dial them up, Mike. Dial up the blitzes. Where are the blitzes? Where is pressure on the freshman, redshirt freshman quarterback? A guy who hadn't played any meaningful snaps all season long in Mikey Keene. They barely pressured him in all game. They brought a lot of heat against John Rice Plumley, but I think it was like sub true media said it was sub 15, 14% pressure rate in terms of bringing extra blitzers in that game on um, across all the snaps that Mikey Keene played for UCF. So you gotta bring more exotic looks. You gotta make it more difficult on that UCF passing attack in terms of different sides of the defense, bringing pressure. Ivan Pace on one end, Jaheim Thomas on the other. Maybe you're bringing Taj, uh, Taj Ward or Sammy Anderson Jr. on a corner blitz. I think that the the need for more dynamic looks is so, so apparent. And it looked like they were almost in prevent defense on that last touchdown drive by the UCF Golden Knights, uh, stamped by R.G. Harvey's go-ahead touchdown that ended up being the difference. I think some more dynamic looks, and maybe that's a product of the injuries, the lack of continuity now, the lack of reps across the board that players are now having to get in real time in terms of what they were preparing to have in the preseason and in the early parts of the season during non-conference play, maybe that's impacting their ability to call some more both sides of the ball. But you can't let there, you can't let whoever's back there for UCF if you play them again and you will play them in Orlando again if that's who you end up playing. You cannot let them go back there and just not have any blitzers or any blitz action coming their way that they have to deal with. What is it with Cincinnati, you know, college and pro to back up quarterbacks? What is it? I don't know. I can't explain it, man. I can't explain what happened to the Bearcats and Mikey Keene on Saturday afternoon. I mean, the dude ran one time, Alex. He ran the ball one time, one time. And they acted like he was Lamar Jackson out there with the way that they were respecting the run game in terms of the quarterback being in an added portion of that. So, yeah, I don't know. It. It's just, it was such an uncharacteristic loss for the Bearcats. It's just, you never see that happen. And you and I were texting about it the whole time. We're going back and forth. You and I agreed. 
right before Montgomery even broke that 39-yard touchdown, we were like, this feels like a game that they once again just barely pull out. I was having all the confidence in the world when the sputtering offense finally broke through to take a lead with Montgomery there. And then something that I don't – I mean, you haven't seen it. If you're a Bearcats fan this century, the Black Cats defense, when they have to get a stop, completely crumbling. And to me, I don't know that you're going to have to worry about that this weekend as 19.5-point favorites over a Navy team starting a freshman quarterback after uh, Levati went down with an injury last week and a team in Navy that's triple option heavy. They're dive heavy. You're diving into the strongest part of the team right now and Dante Corleone, the number one rated player on PFF defensive grading this season, and Ivan Pace Jr. in the middle, the number two rated player on defensive grading. So that to me is the biggest reason why it's a 19 and a half, 20 point spread here in terms of Navy, but you're going to probably face a running quarterback once again, and they could face that problem too late when they go face the green wave at home on the last game of the season quarterback. Um, what's his name? Michael Pratt. He can run the football. He is down to run the ball. He's capable of doing it and he will take full advantage of the Bearcats attack. If they are not, on the P and Q's with the 11th man in the rushing attack. What is your uh, score prediction for uh, Saturday's game? I'm going to roll 28 to 15. I would say something like that. 28 to 14. I think they do win by double digits. I don't see Navy getting their offense going much at all against the Bearcats. I just, I don't know how much of a difference there is between Navy and Kennesaw, Tate, Kennesaw State in, stir, in terms of offensive firepower. But I do think that uh, that midshipman defense will be a little bit better. I mean, Alex, if they, don't, if they don't win this game by double digits, it is full, full look in the mirror type of panic time. This is a team bottom 10 nationally in the midshipman and yards per, net yards per play allowed, according to Brian Freemal. It's just they are not a good overall squad on any phase of the football. Game the Bearcats have to win. My score prediction tomorrow uh, in the game preview show. All right, when we when we return, uh, we'll get into some basketball talk. Russ, your projected starting five biggest takeaways from West Miller's presser on Tuesday, and I got a Bengals question for you. That you know we're going to talk about big season picture after Monday night because my goodness, was that a humble pie serving? All right. We're getting all that after a word from Sweatblock. So pardon me as I try to get through this live read. Um, so I've had embarrassing sweat, um, whether I'm, you know, at work watching a Bearcats game, um, whether I'm outside, you know, it happens. Take Mike, who is a Vegas resort concierge. He was sweating through his suit coat on the job in less than an hour. Not anymore, though. Thanks to Sweatblock, Mike was able to fix his problem. I was able to fix my problem thanks to Sweatblock. They're a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag. Whether it's a big presentation or a hot date, you can benefit. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. Back with Russ Hellman right here on Locked On Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day, Russ, um, men's basketball starts the season, tips off the season Thursday or Monday, rather. Excuse me, today's Thursday. It's about the season Monday against Chaminade, seven o'clock tip at Fifth Third Arena. Um, your projected starting five, Russ, if you had to say right now, who are the five players 
that will take the floor when the Bearcats tip off the season on Monday night? My projected starting five, I'm going to go with Rob Fennessy as your point guard. I think that's pretty much a lock. He was brought in to take over that exact role. We'll go with David DeJulius at the two-guard position. Um, he expects, and I told us a couple weeks back, that there should be a lot more combo guard role for DeJulius this year than shooting guard role. More playmaking, I would imagine. More kind of off-ball action. So that should be good to see David DeJulius there. Landers Nolly, that dude's a gamer, man. That dude is a gamer. He's going to be your top wing scorer at the three position. I could easily see him just maybe he's, he's, he's legit. Like I'm at almost a loss for words watching Landers Nolly. He's one of those players where it's just something different about him than all the other guys on the court, his killer mentality, the way like they were playing, uh, they, they were playing to a set score yesterday in practice. And my guy Landers Nolly was well within his rights and, and took all the final shots there. For, uh, for his winning team, and he was lights out in that scrimmage. So I, I'm really expecting big things from him at the three spot. And then kind of flipping between the wings, you're going to have him and Jeremiah Davenport. Davenport showed me some fire yesterday, showed me something in him that I didn't see at all last year. And I think we're going to see that on this, uh, this first couple-week stretch for the Bearcats. I think he's a little bit more focused. He's more locked in. He seems to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And this team, Alex, there's a fire in them and there's a tenacity in them, especially on the practice floor, that might come off as a negative thing, might come off to people that aren't initiated with what it looks like to have a winning basketball program, what it looks like to have a winning mentality as a negative, as, oh, they're going back and forth at each other, they're arguing. But when I look at that, I see a team that cares. I see a team that wants to win, that wants to hold each other accountable and that wants to get better and knows that that's exactly what Houston and the Cougars are doing under Kelvin Sampson down south. They're holding each other accountable. It's not always bells and roses. you got to have some disagreement. And I think there's been some productive practices in that sense over the past couple of weeks, and it should be really good. So Jeremiah Davenport at the four there. And then at the five, Kalua Zikpe. He is going to be the Adonis in the middle there. They're going to be very versatile. Um, I could see him bringing the ball up at points. Wes Miller said that he wants to do that. And so overall, that's what your starting five is going to look like, I would imagine. Kalua Zikpe at the five, Jeremiah Davenport, Landers Nolly at the three, four, and then Rob Fennessy, David Julius at the one, two. A fiery, feisty starting five that I think over the practices I've seen over the past couple of weeks is starting to really click and I think could be one of those more stable units compared to last year where there was 10, 11 guys getting consistent, strong minutes in the starting rotation. I think that could get wired down, narrowed down to more like, eight, probably more like eight guys this season, maybe a ninth in terms of Jared Hensley or one of those freshmen popping out and getting consistent minutes. Well, I mean, that sounds really encouraging. Um, when you Yeah, man, I have fire. loved what I've seen at practice over the past couple of weeks. Like, it's yeah. really cool that we just get to be like a fly on the wall. You just sit there, observe. You're not, you're not making comments, obviously. You're just watching them go to work and watching Wes Miller conduct a practice. I, I can firmly say that as a, I don't have any rooting interest in this. I, uh, people might think I'm a Bearcats fan, but no rooting interest here. Just unbiased opinion. That is a well-run basketball program at this moment. And it's a basketball program that is a lot further with its talent and developing that talent than they were able to get to at this point last year. Fiery and feisty are two words I want to hear, and I'm I'm excited. That's, that's Bearcat ball right there. Fiery and yeah. feisty. That's all that's underway. Yeah. Uh your biggest takeaways from Wes Miller's press conference on Tuesday. 
just the joy that I think he's going to coach with this season and how excited he is to get after it. I didn't, I mean, I tried to get something out of him. I tried to ask, I was like, what, what are some of the things that you are hoping to do well, maybe offensively or defensively to start the season? And he's like, what, you want me to tell you what we're going to do against Chaminade? So he kind of answered it in pure coach speak. I get it. We're, we're a week away. Nobody wants to give anything away. But what he did give away was the fact that he still gets nervous. He still gets those pregame jitters. He still is like a kid in a candy store the night. It's like a kid in the night before Christmas, the night before the season starts. So I think it's a really exciting time for Bearcat basketball. Not necessarily contenders for an AAC championship, not necessarily national contenders, but it should be a much more representative brand of Bearcats ball this season than we've seen in 2020, 2021, and beyond. Those are all great things to hear. Um, you know, I was going to say it earlier. Um, when we talk about backup quarterbacks and the Bearcats struggling against Mikey Keene, well, I mean, God forbid, look at Monday night against Jacoby Brissett. I mean, our colleague James Rapine says that he's still standing in First Energy Stadium waiting to be hit. I mean, that is how bad that performance was against the Browns team that was playing to save its season. And now you got P.J. Walker on Sunday um, for the Bengals against the Carolina Panthers. Russ, what was the biggest thing for you of, of the whole plethora of things that went wrong for the Bearcats, on, I mean the Bengals, on Monday night? And then um, is this team still a playoff team in your eyes? Well, Monday night, the biggest issue was I said it pretty emphatically, I'm pretty sure, last week. The worst EPA rush defense this century in the Cleveland Browns heading into the Week 8 contests in the National Football League. And the Bengals refused to run the ball. They refused to do it. They just refused to run the football. And I, like, it's just it's, it's amazing. This team, when they go down seven points, when they start losing football games early, they just crater. They crumble, and they just don't play winning football. And that's just not a championship caliber team and not a championship caliber mentality to play with last year at this time you're in the same scenario you're four and four you're getting ready to try to uh try to actually they were five and three and then they go to new york and lose to go to four five and four and limp into the bye and now you're at four and four trying to win as you head into the bye and gain some momentum there <sighs> do i think they're going to make the playoffs i've been trying to figure it out in my head over the last three or four days I don't think they do, Alex. I'll say it right here. Let's be the first platform. I do not think they make the playoffs. At 4-4, four and four, with the difficulty they have remaining, second hardest DVOA strength of schedule in the entire National Football League, I don't think they make the playoffs. And I, I, I'll just break the news now before we post it on all Bengals. My prediction is a Panthers win. I think the season kind of gets wrapped up this Sunday. I, without Jamar Chase, this team has nothing. And with Zach Taylor at the helm, that we already know what it is. We already know. Nobody needs to discuss it anymore. He is not the man for the job. One lucky playoff run on the back of your defense making insane plays and your kicker making insane kicks does not mean that you deserve a five-year contract extension. I shredded it when they gave it to him after the offseason. I know you can't. Actually, I don't know that. Why can't you let a guy go into a lame duck season and prove it? Because if they had done that, and he was still fighting for and coaching for his job right now at four and four, it would light a lot bigger fire under Zach Taylor and would make Bengals fans feel a lot easier about this situation that has their head coach and man at the helm of this franchise locked in until 2026 
a guy who has not consistently called a month of good offense ever in his time coordinating offense at the college level for the Cincinnati Bearcats or at the pro football level for the Cincinnati Bengals. Not one month of consistent good offense. It's amazing. Strong words. And our buddy James Rapine will hear all of that. As Russ is also writes for all Bengals. My colleague at all Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, Russ Hellman, joining me today. Russ, as always, thank you. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you soon uh, as we ramp up basketball season and head down the stretch in football season. Oh, yeah. It's all coming to a head. Both seasons at the same time. It'll be a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on, us. Yeah. Russ, as always, thank you for joining us. Back tomorrow, I am with a preview of the Bearcats game against the Navy Midshipmen. That's a Saturday game, 4 o'clock on ESPNU. Until then, follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty. You can do that. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore. Email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. You can email me as well. Lockdown Bearcats is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcast. And hey, thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen today. How about for your second listen, check out Lockdown Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only Lockdown can provide Lockdown Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel and follow us too every time we drop a new episode. For Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. Back tomorrow previewing the Bearcats against Navy. Thanks to Russ Hellman for joining me. Until then, have a great rest of your day. And thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Alex Frank for Lockdown Bearcats, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.